Hello? Morning. Good to see you all. Welcome to the English summer. Uh, my name is Pete, as you just heard, uh, Jay is um, in Massachusetts uh, this morning. We've been praying for him and we'll carry on doing that. Um, it's an important time for his family and I know I was, uh, got a message from him uh, earlier this morning. He is really looking forward to preaching the gospel this morning because that's the good news that is uh, his mother's death and new life. So that's, uh, we're, we're really behind him for that. Um, as for us, as you know, we've been going through uh, Galatians, so for a few weeks now, we're about halfway through Galatians, and we're going to go into the next section of Galatians, which is a lot easier than the one that Jay had last week. Um, Jay had, uh, last week, you may recall, his uh, topic was the task of the law, which was kind of mostly bad, um, and this week... Uh, we get to see the other side of that, some of the solutions. So I think we're, we're going to have a, a better time than, than uh, poor Jay last week. So um, as you'll probably recall, the Galatian church had fallen into a trap. Um, and that was the main reason that Paul was writing them this letter. Uh, Paul starts uh, chapter 3 of Galatians saying, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Do you, re- do you remember Why? For the law, yes. They were going back to some of the old stuff, weren't they? So they had, they had the new faith here and they had the Jewish faith over here and they kind of seemed to be thinking, hey, how about something in the middle? Uh, and, and Paul is saying, um, you're crazy. This is not going to work. You are really poisoning the whole basis of what you have in Christ if you try and do that. If you try and add Jewish traditions to your faith, if you demand circumcision, if you start talking about observing um, clean and unclean foods, that type of thing, then you're starting to add to Christ, and that is not going to work. In effect, what he says to them is, you're becoming slaves again by going that route. You are becoming slaves again, and you're denying the life of the Spirit and the freedom that you have. And that's why we entitled uh, this series, Galatians, the way of freedom. And we'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. So, um, what has this got to do with us in New Jersey in 2016? Um, Are any of you seeking to become more Jewish? I don't mean just hoarding money. (laughs) Okay, we have one. (laughs) Thank you, Mike. (laughs) Um, Right, so... It feels on on the one hand that we're not in that position, but we'll talk about why that applies to us in a moment. I had um, an interesting encounter with some Jewish rules a few months ago, which I wanted to start with. So there's a young couple, a young Jewish couple that moved into our street last year. Uh, They came by one day and they asked if we'd mind if the local rabbi came by and checked around our house. They explained that they were Orthodox Jews and that they were trying to make it possible for them to walk from their house to the synagogue on the Sabbath without breaking Jewish laws. And they were paying the rabbi, and they were very clear on this point, they were paying the rabbi to see if he could find a solution. 
Uh, evidently, rabbis don't come cheap. I did point that out to Jay a few weeks ago. Um, <clears throat> I, I told them about Cultivate, but it, it seems we don't have any laws that are anything like as interesting. So, so the rabbi came by. Um, why did he want to check around our house? Well, the answer is this thing behind me. It's called Eruv. Has anybody heard of Eruv? E-R-U-V? Well, look at that. You're as dim as I am then. This is great. <laughs> Eruv. Um, I've never heard of that before. I thought, what is Eruv? So that map behind me shows the Cherry Hill East Eruv. You're not in it right now. You can see a star at the bottom. You're outside of it. And it actually doesn't matter because it's not the Sabbath. That ended 4 o'clock yesterday. And this isn't a temple. So, okay, whatever. But <laughs> it's moot. But, but that is, and there really is, an Erev in Cherry Hill East. And what it is, it's a boundary which kind of merges domains. So, as you recall... We aren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. And for the Jews, they've interpreted that as meaning you can't carry things. You can't push strollers. Um, that's pretty inconvenient, by the way, if you're a nursing mother, which is where my neighbors were. Um, two very little kids, one just a month old. So how do you get to synagogue if you can't push the stroller and you can't even carry? Well, the answer is you create an Erev which merges the domains and makes the whole of the area as though it were the inside of a room in your house where you are allowed to do that stuff. Makes sense, right? So, <laughs> does that make sense? So the rabbi came by um, and he built a fence across from some neighbor's land, across some township land, which is all boggy. You don't really want to walk there. He built a fence to join our fence so that he could make a continuous boundary so there would be an Erev so that effectively our neighbors were in their own house when they were walking to synagogue so they could carry the baby and push the stroller. Does that make sense? <laughs> Something like that. That's kind of how they explained it to me. So it was good. It was really good for us to get to know our neighbors and they're great folks who really... Um, Really excited to have them around because they're so outgoing, um, re really nice neighbors. And it was good to be able to help them. But it's kind of a strange thing, isn't it? Did God intend that? Wow. Um, so you're not planning to follow those rules, I can tell. And if you were, you know, you're outside right now, so you want to get the other side of the telegraph pole on Evesham, I think, to, to be safe. Um, Something like that. But, you know, we're pretty good at building sets of rules ourselves as well. We, we maybe think about our Jewish neighbors in that fashion. It's good to know how they think and, and what their law demands of them. But we can make our own rules and standards, don't you think? And we judge ourselves. We're actually, we're actually a lot better at judging other people against the rules that we kind of made up. You know, we have a certain level of um, behavior and expectation, our idea of right, if you like. And then we, if we're not careful, we're judging people because they don't reach that. So I think in some sense, we're actually worse than the Galatians in their 
attempt to merge and, and bring on laws into their faith. I think we live very self-centered and materialistic lives. We'd said before, we kind of exist in, in uh, almost private castles that we have in our suburban houses. And if we're not careful, we just try and tack Christ onto that rather than our faith being fully in him without really putting him truly at the center of our lives. And instead of our lives being a moment-by-moment prayer, they're dominated by our TVs and our handheld gadgets and and all of those things that uh, make us busy and uh, make up our, take away our time. Maybe we, uh, you know, we say grace or we go to church on Sundays, but we have to be careful that we don't become those people that just have a set of things that we do to help us feel justified, and then we think that's enough, or we think that that uh, is something that we can judge others against. So let's not put religious rules in place of a sincere devotion to Christ. And we're going to talk about that in a number of ways as we go forward this morning. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to laws and faith, uh, we, because we've been talking about this for a, a few weeks, I want us to be clear that God is not telling us that we should not obey the law. He's not saying you can drive at 60 miles an hour down Evesham on a Sunday morning and you'll be fine. I'm not sure what the speed limit is, but I don't think it's 60. Um, He's not saying that. He is not telling us to disobey laws. What he's saying is that our blessings in Christ do not depend on any of that. But if we start, if we start to teach that uh, it does depend on any of those behaviors, then we've left the path. Disobeying laws, God's laws, laws of the land, have consequences, and there's nowhere where we're saved from those consequences. Those consequences still happen. But what we need to understand is that we are saved by grace through faith and we cannot stand on those laws as having any effect on our position in Christ. So let's see what happens as we go through Galatians then and what Paul has to say to us that can help us on our journey. Um, last week, as, uh, as Jay went through, uh, we, were, we heard that we were under the custody of the law before Jesus came. That the law was our guardian, that we were locked up by it. And then he goes on and he writes this. So this is Galatians 3, starting at verse 26, and uh, I think page 809 I found in uh, the church Bibles, if you have one of those in front of you that you want to follow through. It says there, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So we speak a lot about 
identity in Christ in our gatherings. That's one of the things that, uh, that we major on. And Paul immediately points out to them that they have a new identity, that they are children of God. Several transac- translations actually say they're sons of God. That's the little, tra- little translation. There's a reason for that. I'll come back to that in a moment. Now, if you have any belief in God, you might say, well, it's obvious that we are children of God. We were created by God, all of us, from the beginning of time until now. So, uh, and that's what it says in Genesis, we're in his image, so we are all God's children, right? Well, there's something different here. And Paul says through faith. He's not talking about a physical birth. He's talking about faith. He also mentions baptism, which is a public declaration of faith. Uh, In the early church, it would be almost immediate for someone to get baptized if they express faith in Christ. John explains at the beginning of of his gospel, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God that, that word in the middle of that verse um, right can also be power privilege all who receive him who believed in his name he gave the power the right the privilege to become children of God who were born not of blood nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And you remember he says to Nicodemus um, in, uh, uh, later on in, in the Gospel of John, you must be born again, not of blood, but of God. And that's what makes us God's children. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. It's a new birth. It's a new place. It's born of the Spirit as children of God. So I have a riddle for you. Are you ready for a riddle? No. Um, yeah, we have riddles. What are your closest possessions? Children? Clothes are your closest possession because they're right next to you all the time. Isn't that right? Paul says we are clothed with Christ. You see it in the middle of that verse? We are clothed with Christ. And our clothing you know, tells us a lot, tells other people a lot about who we are. Um, you know, many, many of you, as you know, as you struggle to understand my accent, um, you know that I'm British, right? Um, I, I wear that identity to mess with you uh, a bit sometimes. It's not unique in South Jersey, but, you know, somewhat unusual. Um, I use words that no one understands, or I'll pronounce words you know that leaves you wondering if I'm speaking in tongues. <laughs> Is Pete speaking in tongues again? Do we have an interpreter? Actually, Christina has said that uh, she's willing to, uh, she's getting very good at interpreting Brit speak. So, so she's, she's volunteered if you have any problems this morning to, uh, to interpret, all right? Um, but my, my ultimate identity is not really that I'm British. The, the oneness and fellowship that I find amongst you is not because I'm British. Maybe it's in spite of it, in fact. <laughs> um, 
is, is because I'm a child of God and I am clothed in Christ. So my identity is in Christ and my inheritance too. And that's what makes us one. So um, our ultimate, ultimate identity is not nationality, it's not gender, it's not political party, uh, it's not social group, it's Christ. We are clothed with Christ. Neither Jew nor, nor Gentile, male or female, Brit or Yank, we are all one in Christ. I'll keep reminding you of that if you tease me. And, and really, there's no place um, amongst us for discrimination on those grounds. We are all God's children and we're all clothed in Christ. And that clothing as well adorns us. It covers our nakedness and it shows the perfection of Christ. And we're now accepted as God's children because we are clothed in Christ. That's our identity. Paul goes on, there's more. So go to the next part of the passage at the beginning of Galatians chapter 4. He says this, what I'm saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he, has, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption to sonship. So as Jay explained last week, the law was both our jailer and our tutor. Taking the second one first, as our guardian, as our tutor, the law was able to teach us about the nature of God and what it means to live in his ways under his protection. But the law was never intended to take the place of God or to be the fulfillment of his promise. And as our jailer, Paul already told us that it had us locked up, jailed, because we could not attain it, reach what the law required. The law was really given to show how deep our problem is, that we are all lawbreakers, and to help us to understand that we cannot be the solution to our problem. We need a saviour. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Redeemed, purchased, bought back, saved to receive sonship by adoption. And to be free from our jailer and our tutor to become sons. In, in this part of the passage, he doesn't talk about children, he talks about sonship. Sonship. Don't think that it's, that we need to make this gender inclusive at this point, because I think what Paul is, wants us to understand is that we have the full inheritance from God. And at least at the time of his writing, that wasn't the case for daughters. That all of us have the full inheritance. All of us, male and female, become sons of God with full inheritance through the adoption through Christ. But I have a question for you. I want you to think honestly about this. 
and I've been pondering in a few days too, it's, do, do you consider yourself as God's son? If you like, do you consider yourself as God's child? Do you feel like you are living as God's son? Or are you living more as God's distant nephew twice removed? <laughs> you get me. Because I, I think that's something that we probably all struggle with at some point. Are we close or are we not close? Are we sons? We are sons. But something happens sometimes. So... If that's you, um, keep with me. We'll get some help on that shortly. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. So the Lord teaches us that we are no longer that, that we're no longer under our jailer because we are God's children. But then our attitude has to change. Jay talked uh, last week. Uh, he went through one example, which was um, about the Sabbath, and we talked a little bit about the Sabbath. Another good illustration, I think, is our attitude to money and giving, which I'm going to discuss briefly. Money and giving, everybody's favorite subject, right? Yes. Uh, when, when I tell you I want to talk about money and giving, what's your first reaction? Go on, be honest. Charity. Tithing. All right. I think sometimes people think, oh, there's a pleasure drive again. Or um, you feel a bit guilty. Um, nah. Nah. Follow me for a moment. The law, remember where we have the law. The law mandated that the citizens of Israel were required to give 10%, a tithe of 10% of everything they made. And that went to the priests of Israel, the tribe of Levi, in order to keep the temple system operational. So 10% of all they received had to be given. It's the law, right? So today as a church, we're called to be just as generous with our money, if not more so. So how do we see the law? Is our attitude the same? God said it, so I'm going to do it, right? Hmm. Isn't that law, though? God said it, I'm going to do it. I think we can very easily approach this topic and think about giving and see it as a tax. We love taxes, don't we? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, we love taxes. Um, <coughs> so we see giving as, as a tax. But as children of God who are led by the Spirit of God we can have a different starting point. So in 2 Corinthians, I, um, I put this verse up in Amplified. It's coming. Whee! No, it's not. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Let each one give thoughtfully and with purpose, just as he has decided in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and delights in the one whose heart is in his gift. Ha! Huh. Doesn't sound like a tax to me. So God does not want us to give out of law. 
He wants us to give out of heart. The law was given because our hearts were hard. He wants us to give cheerfully, it says here. The word is literally hilariously. All right? That's a whole different attitude, isn't it? It says, I'm not under law, but by the Spirit of God, and because of the freedom I have, I'm just excited to give. My heart is in giving. And that's you know, so much greater blessing for the giver, too. You know what a joy it is to, to be able to give like that and, and to discover that by listening to God, you've become the answer to someone's desperate need? Not just a Sunday offering. Giving doesn't have to be restricted to that. One of the, um, one of the joys, I would say, of being a, a pastor and an elder in a family of believers led by the Spirit is when someone comes to you and says, "Um, I feel God wants me to give this envelope with money in it to person, but I don't want them to know it was me. Wow, what a blessing. What a blessing. Can you give it to them for me? So then I or Jay, I know Jay has, has, has done this, um, we get the blessing of being able to take the answer to somebody's need to them, and it wasn't even us. It's just such a blessing. Um, that's a mark of a spirit-led group of believers, isn't it? That, that that type of thing is happening, and that attitude to giving is, is so exciting and so much different than, than a tax. Do you see that? I'm just trying to see, well, there is the law... And there is living by the Spirit. There is what Christ has led us to, which is not about law and obligation. It's about something very different, and it's exciting, and it's joyful. All right. I'm going to stop talking about giving now. You're safe. Um, Paul has something even more important to say about uh, sonship and the Spirit. So let's go on and let's read the last two verses of our passage. Because you are his sons, God sent his spirit, sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God made you also an heir. I think this, these two verses are so important. For me, there's no clearer statement of how our new life in Christ is supposed to work than where we are here with these verses. God sent his Holy Spirit into our hearts, right? He will write them on our hearts, Jay quoted uh, last week. It says in Jeremiah, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God. And they will be my people. That's a big game changer. So the law acts as our taskmaster. The spirit brings life, freedom, no condemnation. The way of, the, the way of freedom is to live by the spirit of God. And not the law of God. So think about that. It's if we had a big 
filing cabinet of legal papers. That's all the laws. And then God, um, God gives us a smartphone, unlimited internet, and a voice interface that really works. Sorry, Siri. Um, I, a poor analogy, maybe, but God has changed everything. You know, I went past the, um, the uh, synagogue up the road this morning on the way in, and they have a sign-up. It's got, like, tablets of stone, and it says across them, the first text message. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but God has found a better way to send his text now, I think. It's no longer tablets of stone. He's righter them on our hearts. It's really, really different. And as we think about our new life in Christ not being about rules but about something else, he talks about, he has this phrase, the Spirit calls out, Abba, Father. That means Daddy. Daddy. The Spirit calls out Daddy. So God's child feels the Spirit crying out to Daddy. That's how we know we are God's children. And that's how we know this whole thing is different. There is a relationship here. There was no relationship with a tablet of stone. Really. There is relationship now. Within you is what God originally had to write on tablets of stone. He has changed all the rules. It's within you now. You may need to listen I'll add myself to that list of people that need to listen. But it's very, very different. An analogy that I came by, and um, let's see if this works for you. So, um, ships and pilots. You know about ships and pilots. So, a ship has a captain, right? The captain sails the ship on the open seas, and he's in charge. Everything about the ship, captain has the last word, Right? But, um, oh, and to be fair, the captain has a big book of rules. <laughs> um, it's called the SOPs, the Standard Operating Procedures. And what he does is supposed to be covered by the book of rules. And if something happens that is unexpected, he has to try and make sure that he responds according to the book of rules. That's the way that, that works. Same in airplanes too, but... But um, that's the way it works for, for ships. I've never been a captain of a ship myself. You'll be glad to hear. But it's like that. Now, when a ship comes into coastal waters near a busy port, a pilot comes out to the ship. He's based in the harbor there somewhere, and he comes out to the ship. The pilot knows all the rules and the charts. He's got everything. He understands all that stuff. But he has a lot more. He has knowledge of the local waters and what can really happen with the other ships around, with the weather, with the interactions between the tides and the currents. He has a lot more understanding of what's going on that's well beyond the book of rules. And he has access to other resources too. He has access to tugs. Yeah? I haven't seen a tug for a while, but they're around. That can tightly control the ship's movement and, and its drift. Um, and really precisely handle the ship. So he's very much better than a list or a book of rules. 
For me, that's what it's like with the Holy Spirit. Do you see an analogy there? That we are the captain of our ship. And actually, we can command the ship to do what we like. But he is the pilot. Captain still has control, but the pilot can advise. He has expert knowledge. He knows the rules. You don't have to go read them now. He has all that stuff, and he has a lot more. And he advises the captain. He can advise us directly and interactively. So we can do what we want. God doesn't force us. And the pilot in a ship has no real authority to force the captain to do something. Captain is still in control. But the pilot has the right information for the safe journey to get back to port. So I, I feel like that's a, for me, it helps me understand what God is doing with his Holy Spirit. So then we need, don't we, to think about how we respond to his Holy Spirit. Do, do we ignore what's going on? That's, that's really the way of self. We just ignore the rules. We can follow the rules religiously, but that's the way of law. Or we can let the pilot have control, which is the way of the spirit. Yeah? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. It's a new power and a new understanding that comes through the Spirit of God. In Romans 8, Paul uses uh, the same phrases we just heard earlier um, regarding the Holy Spirit. He says this, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you'll live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. If someone asked you, how do you know you're a Christian? How do you know you're a Christian? What would you say? Would you say, I prayed a prayer and God came into my life and he promised to do that so it's done? Or would you say, I know God's Spirit is in me. I feel God's Spirit crying out to Daddy. I can't stop praying and reading what God said. I feel overwhelmed in a sense of worship. The Spirit testifies with me that I am God's child. You see that? And he empowers me in new ways to do things I couldn't do before. I show kindness, generosity, self-control. I'm filled with joy. What a blessing through the Spirit. So let's come back to um, the piece I, I deferred on a few moments ago. And that is, do you feel like you're God's distant nephew rather than his son? Do you feel that there is a distance? Why are you walking close? I think if, if you're in that situation, then 
you firstly need to be honest with yourself and with others and take courage, really take courage and consider, is the Spirit living in you as Jesus promised? Have you received Christ into your life as your personal Savior? And do you know the Holy Spirit lives in you? Have you seen evidence of that? That's really important. And it's a hard question, I know. Um, If that's something which is touching you right now and you have concerns about that, come talk with me or talk with someone else today. Don't, Don't stay there, right? Um, we'd all be happy to talk with you. I can be down the front afterwards, either at the end of the message or um, at the end of the service after we've had communion. Just come and chat and, and seek some help because that's really, really important to know that you are God's child and that God's spirit lives in you. Really important. Secondly, if there's that distance... We know that sin is still a reality for us. We don't want to sin, but we fail. And because we are still human and tempted by the flesh, we do sin. We are still seduced by the world instead of enjoying God's way. And that sin doesn't condemn us, but it can block our relationship with God and his Holy Spirit. So you may have sin that you have to bring to him and confess. And he's promised to forgive you, to forgive us if we do that, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So again, if you have any doubt in that area and you need help, then please seek, seek out help. Don't, don't let pride stop you from, from finding what you need in Christ. And then the other possibility, um, if you feel this distance, I think, is that you just may not be giving the relationship a chance. Relationship takes time. think so. Um, Our lives are full of busyness. There's no space. And to deepen that relationship, we have to look for space. We need to find that. Fortunately, God is not... God is in us by his Holy Spirit. So... It's not like you have to go and visit your elderly parent and set a time on Sunday afternoon. He's with you. He's in you. So any time works, so long as you can focus on that. So, you know, we we spend a lot of time driving cars. You can pray. You can listen to the Bible. You can listen to worship music. There There are ways to commune with God, even as you're doing that type of thing. There are ways to find him through our busyness. It says being led by the Spirit of God is a really a new way of life and it's freedom. Living by faith born again. And it gets better. Yeah, it gets better. So the last part of what we read from, uh, from Galatians said this. So you're no longer a slave but God's child and since you are his child God has made you also an heir. We are heirs. We have an inheritance. We don't often talk about that, do we? We often talk about discipleship and the here and now in our, uh, in our Sundays. Not so often about um, the inheritance that we have that, that's out there. 
um, there's more coming. In 1 Peter, I have these verses. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused you to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven from you. Some of the most exciting verses I find out, um, going back to Romans 8, um, relate, re- relate not just to us, but to everything, the whole of creation. We need to remember that it's not just us that are locked up in sin and broken it's the whole of creation it really is it's broken there is death and pain sickness decay for humans but also for every other kind of life everything is messed up hunger death lost species polluted habitats earthquakes eruptions tsunamis destruction floods injustice poverty this is all going to change in Romans 8, it says the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. The creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our, for our adoption to sonship and the redemption of our bodies. So the creation itself is groaning and is going to be changed. One of the first words of Revelation 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. And God says, he himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor mourning, nor crying, nor pain. For the older things have passed away. As heirs we inherit. And the other thing that we get in Romans 8 is the redemption of our bodies. I'm getting a bit old I'm kind, of, I'm kind of looking forward to redemption of our bodies. Um, there's an old saying that says, youth is wasted on the young. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but in 1 Corinthians it says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. A spiritual body of glory, of power that we will have. Wow. So, let's finish with a glorious promise. And uh, this is in 1 1 John chapter 3. See what great love the Father has lavished upon us 
that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We'll be changed into the glory of Christ. We'll be the bride of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? So let's take hold of our new way of freedom that God has provided for us. Let's not fall back into slavery to the law, but push on to live this life of the Spirit and to be led by Him, to know His presence within us, guiding us, being our pilot, day by day and hour by hour. And let's appreciate the blessings we have in being clothed with Christ and of sonship and of inheritance. And let's cry out to Daddy every moment find our fulfillment in him let's grasp the way of freedom let's pray Lord you've said that those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God thank you for the freedom and the indwelling of your Holy Spirit for the blessing that that is to us for the game changer that has set us free from the law help us to grow in that Lord, we choose you. We choose the way of your spirit. We renounce the way of self. We renounce the way of law. We choose you, Lord. And Lord, for those of us who still find you distant, we ask you bring us close. Give us courage to call out to you and receive you into our hearts and lives. And Lord, if sin is blocking the way, thank you for revealing that. And give us the strength to turn again in repentance and faith to you. We just rejoice, Lord, in your inheritance. In all that you've given to us. In the new life we have. In the name of Jesus. Amen.